are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the first ever live streaming edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. See a couple of you guys uh, watching along. Thanks for stopping by. We got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, roster cuts, Greg Little, Alan Hearns, Coach Flores, the mysteries of the playbook. So lots to get into. Uh, but before we get there, today's episode is brought to you by the Locked On Live Fantasy Show. Have live fantasy football questions you need answered before your draft. Don't miss on Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live or submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. William, uh, sorry to say I can't speak in one and a half X speed. I know it's a big thing with people who listen to podcasts, right, is that uh, they like to expedite that process a little bit. I'm kind of a fast talker anyway, so... Lord only knows what I sound like on one and a half X speed. I'd prefer not to find out, uh, but plenty to get into today. I think the first thing that we got to tackle, pun intended, perhaps, uh, is the Greg Little news. The Dolphins trading for Greg Little for a 2022 seventh round draft selection. Uh, at the end of the day, it was reported that the Dolphins had interest in finding and acquiring some offensive tackle depth. We've talked on this show about how they've made efforts to secure that with Isaiah Wilson, with uh, signing DJ Fluker, and obviously neither one of those opportunities materialized for the Dolphins. Uh, so here we are after the first preseason game. Austin Jackson underwhelms a little bit. Liam Eikenberg might be playing inside at guard. So they move a seventh-round pick uh, in this upcoming draft for Greg Little. Uh, Greg Little is... Um, a very raw prospect. He was a raw prospect coming out of Ole Miss. Uh, I thought he was overdrafted a little bit. He was the 37th overall pick. He's got great physical tools. He's like every other Miami offensive lineman that's been brought in. I think he was 92nd percentile in his standing broad jump, and he's over 310 pounds. So uh, he checks those boxes. And, and somebody had asked me the question on social media, uh, at what point do we start asking, you know, is this methodology working or not? And I think this year is going to be pretty telling. I, I do think Liam Eikenberg was a little bit of a departure from a lot of the things that the Dolphins ha have gravitated war towards with the Isaiah Wilsons of the world uh, and even the Austin Jacksons of the world. He was a little leaner, a little bit more proficient and technically sound. Uh, Greg Little is, is, is kind of your low-risk flyer there that maybe you get your hands on him, you coach him up a little bit, uh, but definitely fits the physical mold that uh, the Dolphins have gravitated towards with this regime. So expectations, probably nil. I think it would be irresponsible to put any significant level of expectations on Greg Little coming in after the start of training camp. And uh, it had been reported when they said the Dolphins were interested in offensive tackles, they were looking for tackle depth. Do I think he's going to push Austin Jackson Probably not right on cue, Hassam in the comments. Depth signing, or is there something more? Uh, I think maybe down the road, if you catch fire, then there's an opportunity for, for you to have a starter and get him for on the cheap. Obviously, he's uh, was once upon a time very highly regarded, but 
Uh, he started six games in two years for Carolina, and he's been kind of really up and down and hasn't had the reps to get the polish that he really needed coming out of Ole Miss. So uh, my expectations are pretty low. Uh, I would temper him if you feel like this is a starter. Uh, never say never, but it's certainly not something that I am uh, I'm, I'm going to be feeling is a big boom for the Dolphins. Uh, another thing that caught my eye today that I wanted to make sure I got the chance to talk about was uh, ESPN's Football Power Index. It's one of the things that uh, tries to forecast what teams look like uh, for the upcoming season. And uh, they, they do the 10,000 simulations based on their own rankings of players and metrics and so on and so forth. Uh, they actually have the Dolphins rated as the sixth best team in the AFC, which is interesting to me. Uh, the odds for them to make the playoffs are actually over 50%, 54% chance, according to Football Power Index from ESPN, uh, that the Dolphins make the postseason. They give them a 22.7% chance to win the AFC East, that's third behind Buffalo and New England. New England's by like a percentage point and a half. Uh, they have a 27.7% chance to make the divisional round in the AFC playoffs, according to ESPN's FBI. 12.2% uh, chance to make the AFC championship game, 5.1% chance to make the Super Bowl, and a 2.3% chance to win the Super Bowl. Win the Super Bowl, 2.3%. Why does that matter? Because the Dolphins the last two years uh, have been the absolute bottom of the bucket, according to FPI, coming into the season, and they have outperformed those expectations. So this, of course, is a barometer of nothing, but it does indicate that, that at least according to the simulation models from ESPN, there are expectations for this football team. Uh, the fact that FPI, of all places, which has not been kind to the Dolphins, ends up scoring them out, averaging nine and a half wins approximately through the 10,000 simulations over a better than coin toss percentage chance to make the the postseason. You got to feel really good about that. And um, they have as good of a chance to win the Super Bowl as the following teams combined, according to FPI, which may, might only be interesting to me. Who knows? Uh, the Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, New York Giants, Las Vegas Raiders, Philadelphia Eagles, Cincinnati Bengals, Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions, New York Jets, and Houston Texans. According to the FBI, the Dolphins have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than all of those teams combined. A couple questions popping in here. If you're listening to this on, on the typical podcast feed, we're going to be doing a couple of these weeks on a live setting and uh, get a chance to interact with you guys. Uh, so, David, is it concerning Phillips and Fuller haven't been practicing? Phillips was out there today. Uh, Phillips was weaned back in as far as a lot of the Dolphins injuries. Uh, obviously Brian Flores is going to play coy and he's going to tell you every single person is on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Uh, for me, uh, I would rather err on the side of caution now and not risk guys having setbacks. If there were major injuries, I have a feeling we'd at least hear something about it if it was Will Fuller or Jalen Phillips. And, of course, Phillips practiced today, went through the walkthrough, um, and he was put back in with the first team. So I think Phillips is going to be fine. I think Albert Wilson's going to be fine. Devontae Parker, I think that if there was a game he could play, but then again, I thought that at the end of the year last year, and, and we know how that turned out. So uh, I'm not hitting the panic button. If we get to the week of the game, 
in New England in three weeks or whatever it is, and these guys still aren't practicing, then I'm, then I'm going to panic. But for the time being, and I know it would benefit Jalen Phillips, obviously, with him being a rookie, uh, to get into the action and get as many reps as he can. Uh, I think they're just kind of being methodical and taking their time, making sure that when they bring him back, uh, there's no negative steps backwards that's going to further delay his return to the field. Bet online. Got to tell you about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to get in on all of your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NFL coming back, UFC, and much more. Before the next pitch, before the next snap, before the next fight, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I see you guys in the questions. Greg, I appreciate the love. Marcos, I appreciate the love. Uh, we got a lot to tackle, though. So I'm going to get to these questions if I get the chance to. Uh, but the next thing that we have to talk about is the Miami Dolphins media finally did it. They have been trying and trying and trying and trying to break Brian Flores to talk about the offensive coordinator situation. And it finally happened today during the pressers and uh, he was pushed into a little bit. Uh, but the question was, I'm aware that you're trying to disclose as little possible as regarding who's calling plays. and wanted to ask about quarterbacks coach, Charlie Fry being the voice into his headset. What is the thought process in having the quarterbacks coach or a former quarterback as the last voice to a hears in his year before the play long winded answer. I'm going to read it because I think it's important to hear the entirety of Brian Flores' thought process here. Okay. I think that as far as at the beginning of that, he pauses, thinks about it. Well, just let me answer the question. I think when you're a position coach and you spend time with the player every day, you kind of have your own language, your own conversations about different plays. Hey, remember we talked about this like this, or remember we saw this in practice. That's a different relationship or way of speaking than it is with a coordinator. I know that because I've been a position coach and a coordinator. The idea behind Charlie giving the play call is that one or two things that they've talked about in their room specific to the quarterbacks that just makes sense to me, and I think that's pretty reasonable. That's why we do it that way. I know you guys, being the media, asked about the play calling. Look, obviously you guys haven't been up with the coach's booth, but this is what happens. Somebody is watching the front side of the play. Somebody's watching the back side of the play. Somebody's watching the coverage, the safety rotation. Somebody's watching the front. So there's a lot of dialogue. At the end of the day, what happens is somebody gives Charlie the call, and Charlie says, hey, Tua, wristband 33. It's not six people talking to Tua. You may think, but that's not what happens. Maybe that's too much information. That's what it is. It's wristband 37. That's the information that the quarterback gets on the headset. The coaches are saying, hey, backside end is doing this. We might want to call wristband 38. That's kind of how it goes. I was told to explain that. <laughs> that's what he throws in there. Um, so... As far as the actual identity of the play caller, he says, we just try to keep things internal. Um, who's responsible for the play? Brian Flores knows who's responsible for the play. So 
I think that's a really good look at kind of the methodology behind how the Dolphins got to this point. And the takeaway that I have in all of this is pretty interesting because one of the things that we've talked about a little bit on uh, my NFL draft podcast, Draft Dudes with Joe Marino, bless his soul, he's a Bills fan. We'll try not to hold that against him. Is when you have a defensive head coach, one of the things that you're always going to be exposed to if your team has success is a lot of turnover with your offensive staff, right? Because a, a prime offensive coordinator is going to get hired to go work somebody else. That's just, that's the way it works. We've obviously seen through the first two years of the Brian Flores era, we had Chad O'Shea, one and done. Jim Caldwell didn't, as an assistant coach and quarterbacks coach, like he didn't, he didn't stick. Then this past year, you had Chan Gailey, one and done. So one of the things that I like about this approach for Miami is the fact that you are going to have a sustained infrastructure around your quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa, And if somebody leaves, that collaborative effort and that kind of overall working process to allow coaches to focus and identify individual dynamics of a game as it lives and breathes and evolves as you're working your way through it, and if that structure stays the same, even if you have personnel turnover, what ends up happening is the experience for the quarterback is very familiar. And if it is collaborative, it becomes a little easier to maintain the consistency in what your offense looks like. Now, of course, at the end of the day, somebody has to make the decisions on who's calling the plays. We tend to think that's George Gotze. He has experience as an NFL play caller, did it in Houston uh, back in the mid-2010s. I understand where Brian Flores is going with Charlie Fry. You know, you spend the most time with Tua in the film room talking about this. You're going to have your own language. And when I think about that, I go back to New England with Jerry Shaplinsky, who was here in Miami for a short while. And guys like Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo talking about how they worked with Shaplinsky because Josh McDaniels had his own language that he worked with with Tom Brady because they were at it for so long and they had spent so much time separately, not working on install, but working on things. Hey, remember seven years ago when we did this? So I think that's, that's a dynamic here to how this offensive approach for Brian Flores uh, is being pieced together that I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, and it, it's a probably a preventative way to prevent attrition of his coaching staff from really walking back any progress that the offense happens to make with Tua Tagovailoa and the current structure of the staff. So it's kind of just something as I, I've internalized what Coach Flores talked about this morning about why it is they're doing it this way and why Charlie Fry is the voice in the headset and why they have uh, multiple coordinators and they have a very collaborative approach between the box and the field and all of that information pooling together. Uh, I've coached at the high school level, and even I know that the radio you get has three different buttons with three separate channels, and each channel has different people that are on it for different private conversations. Uh, so that way you can have all this collaborative effort, and then boom, you flip the switch. Charlie Fry talks to Tua. Here's the play off the wristband. Make sure you remember points A, B, and C. If the safety rolls, we're going to look this way. For a young quarterback to really simplify that process, I think you could do it a lot worse than that.
You know what else is a lot worse than that? Not having any Built Bar in your house. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are absolutely delicious. Top of the first round. As far as I'm concerned, they're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. Nine different flavors from you to choose from. Whether you're looking for something for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, something post-workout, something to grab and go, you name it, Built Bar can be it. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Excuse the lighting change here for those of you who are live. We got to go to a couple questions. Um, let's go ahead and, and tackle a couple of these. I want to talk about the player cuts uh, that, that were decided upon. Uh, but before we get there, let's see, Alejo, at this point, you think Miami's carrying seven wide receivers plus Limbo Jr. as a running back. Otherwise, who is getting cut? Well, that, that kind of builds a natural segue into uh, the other major talking point of the day, which is that Alan Hearns uh, has some kind of wrist injury that's going to require him to have a, a surgical procedure. He's expected to miss approximately three months. Uh, and, and he was a part of the roster moves that took place today. Uh, the Dolphins obviously traded for Greg Little and their response to get down to 86. Remember, they need to get to 86 instead of 85 because they have the international player exemption. Is they injury waived Jatlin Askew. They waived Jonathan Hubbard, Jerome Johnson, Tyler Mars, and Timon Paris. And then they placed Alan Hearns on injured reserve. So what does that mean from here? I'm glad you asked. From here, Alan Hearns can only return to active play if he has an injury waiver settlement, is cut, clears waivers, and then signs back with the team. The way that they've changed the in injury reserve rules, and if you make it to the 53-man roster and you are on after the initial cut, and then you go to the injured reserve, after three weeks, the team can bring you back at any point. And there are unlimited number of players that can go through that process, but you have to survive active cuts. The Dolphins did not do that. They fast-tracked Hearns. They put him on IR now. So that means from Hearns' perspective, he's effectively either going to sit the entire year on IR, or he's going to be cut off of this contract if they want to bring him back slash if they need to bring him back. So that's, um, it's a bummer for Allen, right? Because he had a rough ending to his time in Dallas, had a really nasty leg break. He came back with Miami in 2019, had a really nasty concussion, suffered against Dallas. I was there for that game. And I was three quarters of the way up in the, in the 300 level and heard that crack that, that, I uh, gave him a concussion and was a really scary moment for him. Came back, was pretty solid, opted out of 2020. And now this that's derailed his 2021 season before it ever really gets started. So a um, little bit of a bummer for Allen, but it, it does kind of help to clear up the wide receiver situation. I do think it's interesting. Miami had no other track transactions with the initial roster cut. Next Tuesday is the next active roster cut. You got to get down to 80, I believe it is. Uh, so you're, you're going to have another minor cut, and then the major cut comes after that. I believe that is September 1st. Don't quote me, though. It's, that's off the top of my head. So a um, lot of change is coming. 
uh, for the Dolphins roster. Um, there may be some opportunities to bring some guys in uh, based off initial cuts uh, for other teams. Typically, the guys that are getting cut now are the Jonathan Hubbards and Jerome Johnsons and Tyler Marses, who realistically probably didn't have a great chance to make the roster anyway, right? Uh, but what you have with uh, some of these teams, like Carrion Johnson and the Philadelphia Eagles, who the Miami Dolphins attempted to claim off the waiver wire when he was cut by the Detroit Lions, uh, that might be one that the Dolphins kick the tires on. It's uh, We'll find out uh, by Wednesday afternoon if he's claimed and what they do from there. But of course, any uh, transaction at this point, because the Dolphins are up against the new limit, uh, would require an additional cut. One great question from Hassam. Pat, I see you in the comments harassing me nonstop. I will not acknowledge your trolling comments, Pat. Pat's a good friend of mine. Uh, Hassam, do you see Austin Jackson's development similar to Colton Miller slash Garrett Bowles? I think that's that's the silver lining, right? That That you're not really going to hit the panic button completely at this point in time because Guys like Garrett Bowles have had the light bulb come on late for them. Uh, you would obviously like to see the player development happen a little bit more rapidly than that. Uh, Garrett Bowles entered into his fourth year of his rookie contract, and they declined his fifth-year option. Like they, they were ready to be done. And then he blew up and he earned himself a really nice contract extension. So it happens. Uh, Colton Miller was actually uh, a reasonably – linear progression where he was abysmal as a rookie. Uh, he was way worse than Austin Jackson was. And then he made a significant jump, but was still below average. And then the year after that, he was very good. So uh, I, I think the Colton Miller one, based on what Austin Jackson was last year, is a pretty aggressive projection for what uh, Austin can look like this year. Uh, but the Garrett Bowles one uh, is certainly something that you may see. If you see the same player this year, then you hope he does become the next version of Garrett Bowles. And I'll say this for Garrett Bowles. He, like he was, he was a, I believe he was a Juco transfer into Utah and only played there for two years. So like he was pretty raw and, and Austin was pretty raw coming out as well. So uh, there are opportunities for guys to make big jumps uh, at any point in the process. You never know. That's probably the, um, the hope with Greg Little too is, Maybe it becomes uh, another one of these diamonds in the rough where you think about how some of the success the Dolphins have had off the waiver wire. But uh, time will tell. And uh, I think we do need to stay patient. We need to remember we haven't played any significant snaps yet. One preseason game uh, does not a season make. So I know there's a lot of gloom and doom on the timeline between the two interception and he was late on the read and the offensive line looked terrible and Austin Jackson was bad and like, yeah, let's let's get a couple more data data points on the plot line before we declare a national emergency for X, Y, or Z. Uh, but definitely something to to look over, and I think the Dolphins should be applauded for being proactive as it pertains to the offensive line specifically. So that's gonna do it for us on the first ever Locked On Dolphins live stream. If you tuned in, uh, Locked On Fins on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button, like and subscribe. I'm new to YouTube, so forget if I don't have the uh, the calls to action down pat just yet, but uh, we'll get them down. We're going to do a couple of these a week. Uh, if you miss the live stream, you can, of course, always catch us on the uh, the podcast feed, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, your team every day. We say it, we live it, we mean it here on the Locked On Network. 
Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening. I'll talk with you guys again soon.